would like you, first of all, let's go to the book of Acts. And uh, I would like to go to Acts chapter 1 here. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Um, go to the book of Acts with me. Chapter 1, I'm going to start there. And I'm just reminding you of the thing probably behind me here, you know, this uh, Brother Jordan, that's great, Jordan, you did a good job on that, uh, about experiencing His glory. We ought to be not just teaching about it, of course, we, you know, we do our best to teach, but also experiencing Him. And, you know, like G Jesus said, I'm over in uh, Acts, but in Mark, the last chapter, He said, and they went forth and preached everywhere, Mark 16, 20. They went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming that denomination, no? Confirming that preacher, no? Confirming the Word with signs following. So when we're preaching the Word to you, we fully expect the signs to follow it. So right now we're teaching on the baptism in the Holy Ghost or being filled with the Holy Ghost, initial infilling of the Holy Ghost, and speaking in other tongues. You're not, you're not receiving speaking in other tongues. You're receiving the person of the Holy Ghost. But when he comes in and you drink until you're full, then something's going to come out. And that something is coming back out of you is called your personal prayer language or speaking in tongues or speaking in the Spirit. Your personal prayer language for you to communicate with God in you know, just like you, you all speak English. Some of you may be bilingual, but and I'm communicating with you right now for understanding purposes in our dialect here in North America, which is English. But now God is a spirit, and we're a spirit, and so it stands just common logic, if you thought about it very long, that God would give us a spirit language to communicate with Him in. And everybody's language is going to be different. We're not, we're not clones. We all are in the family. We're sons and daughters of God. That's true. But God doesn't have any favorites, and God doesn't produce clones. What I mean is each of us are unique, and so my prayer language may not sound like your prayer language. I got in the Spirit this morning and got over in diversity of tongues. We had the prayer meeting in here. Two of the, two of the staff members said, sound like I speak in French or something. I don't know. I don't remember ever speaking that before. I know I've spoken in uh, Indian dialect, American Indians at one time, in special, you know, when I got into diversities of tongues. And uh, so sometimes I get into some different areas in prayer. And so, uh, you know, we're talking about some things here. So we all should be filled. Let's, let's just read it here. Jesus made this comment, Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, this is Jesus, commanded them. Did he suggest? No. He said, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, referring to John the Baptist, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. We could even translate it, you're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. And he said, now stay here until you get that. And we knew from we know from the other day we looked up in Luke you know twenty four I think it's forty forty nine or something it said you tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued and the word there is clothed spiritually with power from on high 
So this power is a supernatural power. And it's not just a power. It is a power, but it's the person of the Holy Ghost. Now, let's read on now. And, he, and, and in verse 8, he says, But you shall receive power. Say power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and under the uttermost part of the earth. So he's telling us here, it's real important, that they were to wait until they received power, and that power came as in the person of the Holy Ghost coming upon them. Coming upon them. Now, the Holy Ghost, He is, in, he is involved in, in our life when we receive eternal life, or we receive Jesus, or we receive the Word of God initially and get saved or born again. Amen. The Holy Ghost is the active person of the Trinity that's in the earth today. Jesus isn't here, and the Father isn't here. But the Spirit of God is here. And so once you receive, I'm trying to point out, see, the Bible refers to receiving eternal life, receiving Jesus, being born again, becoming a new creature. It's all the same experience. And the Holy Ghost recreates your inward man. It's not joining the church, but it's becoming a new creature. You become a new, the Greek says, a new species of being that never existed before. Amen. Well, you feel that anointing tonight? And I do. <laughs> Glory's in here. And, and so that, that's what you do, first of all, to become a part of his family. You must be born again. And that comes through receiving the word of God that's taught on being saved or born again. It's not joining a church. You can go around town, join all kinds of churches and still be lost it's it's being a new creature yeah i mean paul brought that out over and over again in all of his writings you know it's not he said it's not whether you're circumcised or not to the jewish people but it's becoming a new creature that counts it's not our works and we're just going to be real diligent to just come to church i mean you ought to come to church but that don't save you just coming to church any more than me going out in my garage and standing makes me an automobile you see what I'm saying? You have to be born again. And these, these people were already born again because Jesus had breathed on them, said, receive the Holy Ghost. He meant by that, receive eternal life, that aspect of the Holy Ghost recreating you. He said that earlier in the Gospels, in John's Gospel. But now we're over here after he's resurrected. And we're over here and he's talking to them and commanding them to wait until this power comes on them, which is in the person of the Holy Ghost. Said so you're going to receive power. You're going to receive power when the Holy Ghost has come on you. I mean, there, there, I cannot describe to you how the Bible came alive to me when I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. I taught about I taught about it Sunday. I'm not going to rehash that. It'd take me an hour to tell it, and how I was a Baptist kid, Baptist preacher, young preacher, preacher you know, new, you know, newly to the <laughs> being a preacher, and uh, and how that the Lord led me to read the book by an Episcopalian who had been spirit-filled, and I read four, five, six, eight pages and got spirit-filled. I don't know that I would embrace everything the Episcopalians teach. I'm sure there'd be some differences, but that isn't the issue. The issue was the man that wrote it had a genuine experience with the Holy Ghost, and however he wrote it, it affected me, and I jumped in with, you know, I jumped in too. Nobody even laid hands on me because, you know, I was by myself when it happened. 
It's not that I would have not allowed that if I'd have had somebody to call and say, hey, come and lay hands on me, but I didn't really know anybody right then real well. And the Holy Ghost was moving on me already to get me to accept this and respond to this, to the Holy Ghost. You know, and, and His power came. I remember in my own life, I'm going to get on with this in just a minute, I remember in my own life, just uh, maybe, let's see, 78, probably about 79 or 80, I started having heart attack symptoms. Now, we're talking about the power being on us, remember? We're talking about that. And, of course, when I got filled with the Holy Ghost, I started seeing healing was for me. I already had prayed for some people and seen healing work, but now how much more? Remember I told you about the little girl in my church? That the day I got filled with the Holy Ghost, God spoke to me and told me to lay hands on her and he would heal her. And she had uh, four different times the tubes put in there to drain the fluid out of the ear. Little children have that done a lot. It hadn't worked and the water had uh, sat in there and rotted part of her eardrums away. She was going to have to go in and have major surgery the next Friday. I got filled with the Holy Ghost the, the preceding Saturday morning. So the Lord spoke to me that afternoon. I mean, I just got filled with the Holy Ghost. So all of a sudden, the Spirit of God was moving in my life. See? And he said, I want you to pray for this little girl. Lay your hands on her, and I'll heal her. I called the parents, asked them to do it, and did. And they took her back, and she didn't need anything. But anyway, it went along. You know, that was 78, and I was graduating from seminary right around there, May. And I resigned that church in September and went out into another church out in the country in a city called Otisco, and I was there for four years, and I don't, I'd been there maybe a year, and I was driving my car, and all of a sudden I had pain shoot through my chest and down my left arm and up my head like that, and I couldn't move my hand for a minute, so I had to take, turn, turn the steering wheel and pull off the side of the road, and I said, in Jesus' name, I rebuke you. I'm not receiving this. I command this to get out of my body, and then within 20 seconds it left. That happened repeatedly about six or seven times. Not every day, but over a period of several months. I didn't tell my wife. I didn't call anybody for prayer. God said, you can handle it. Just deal with it. If he'd have told me to go to the hospital, I'd have went to the hospital, but he didn't. So after three months, I'm talking about the power. I'm talking about the power of the Holy Ghost. So one, one Wednesday night, back in those days, I had little, just a little handful of people in this church, and I was a lot greener than I am now and younger. And, and a guy, I didn't even know him. He was a young guy, and he, his brother was one of our deacons there. So there was a little bit of trust in that. You know, he's a family member of a guy I do respect. But uh, he lifted his hand up on this Wednesday night service, about 12 of us, 15 people, 18, I don't know, something like that. He said, Pastor, I think I have something. I said, well, what is it? He said, well, it's a word. And, I, of course, I've become familiar a little bit with some of that. I said, well, go ahead. He said, there's somebody here who's had heart attack symptoms for three months. You've been, you've been dealing with it. And he described it in detail. He said, the Lord did tell you you're healed. Not worry about it anymore. I've never had any other symptoms the rest of my life. I just had a physical within the last year to build this building because, you know, the people loaning me money want to know if I'm okay. And so they sent somebody here to give me an EKG. And uh, she wasn't supposed to tell me, but I said, well, how's it look? She said, well, I'm not supposed to tell you, but it's perfect. You see, that's been 1979. That's 30 years ago. See, I'm talking about power. I used the power that I had. Then God spoke to somebody else supernaturally who didn't know me. I hadn't told anybody about it. And he came to my church and gave that one. He had a word of knowledge and spoke to me by the Spirit. And I said, well, that's me. I receive it. Hallelujah. 
It's like tonight. Now, you know, I think it was uh, uh, Marcia here. You know, I'm looking for somebody in particular because the Lord showed me a problem with the joint where the toe attaches to the foot. But I just said other people come for feet things too, and it was evident two of them had braces or something on their feet, some kind of padding deal, and different things, you know. But And then others maybe came for other parts of foot problems, and they got it too. And then the thing about the ribs, see, that was a word of knowledge and things like that. We're talking here about the power. Let's look at Acts 2 and 4 here. Let's look at this verse. You learned anything yet? Talking about the baptism or the infilling of the Holy Ghost. The initial time the Holy Ghost fills you, and when that happens, then you begin to speak out in other tongues. Hallelujah. Now here's another issue I'll talk and I'm gonna I'm gonna read this in a minute. Just hold steady. I'm gonna read Acts two and four in just a minute. But here's another uh, thought, you know, and as you read through this you see it with me. That a lot of people think, well if I get filled with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost is going to speak. No, the Holy Ghost is not going to speak uh, necessarily through you. You're going to do the speaking. He's going to give the utterance, but you have to speak it. Always remember, the Holy Ghost is not the doer of anything. He's the helper to help you do. See what I'm saying? And we know from Paul's writings, we already went over this, but just helping people that maybe haven't heard this, Paul said, I will pray in the Spirit, and I will pray with my understanding. So it was His will when He did that, not the Holy Ghost. You need to understand that. See, you're waiting on God, and God's waiting on you. So you can pray. Once you're filled with the Holy Ghost, and you receive your personal prayer language, I'm calling it, or praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit, and it isn't all about prayer either. Prayer is a part of it, a part of it but communicating with God. You know, we, we're going to look at this in a minute, but 1 Corinthians 14 says, He that speaks in a tongue, uh, King James says, unknown, it's not in the original. I think the interpreters thought they were helping us there, and, they, and I understand where they're coming from. It's not a known language that I learned. That's what they're trying to convey. But he that speaks in a tongue, other than the one you were born with, and yet you learned, you know, you learned consonants, phonetics, syllables, a, B, C, D, that stuff. Not that language. You didn't learn. You learned that one. Line upon line, you know, here a little, there a little. Isn't that right? But now with tongues, you're, it's something supernaturally given. It's supernaturally given to you. Hallelujah. And so he says, if I pray in an unknown tongue, I speak not to men but unto God. So they didn't say anything about prayer right there. And it says he speaks out the mysteries of God. So I can speak out words by the Holy Ghost that allow my future that God has for me to become manifest for me. I don't know if you could see that. You need to see it. And you need to spend time praying for yourself periodically and praying out the plans. I think the word in the King James is mysteries. It's a little misleading, but... The real word there in the Greek means plans and purposes. Well, if I'm speaking to God, then I must be speaking the things that the Holy Ghost is giving me, who is God, to speak those things out so that I can walk in those things. Let me say it to you this way. If I never spoke them out, I'd never walk in them. I never got saved until I said, I receive you, Jesus, as my Savior. And he jumped in me when I said that. 
and recreated me. Little old drug addict boy, 21-year-old drug addict, burnt out, lost 80 pounds shooting speed, mind fried, just, just wild, crazy, demonic person that I was. It didn't bother him a bit. He just took me like I was and fixed me up. I'm telling you. He just received me. I received him. And I said, Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. And you know he did. He responded to those words. Now, these words we're talking about is speaking out words by the Spirit. And a lot of times God will give you the interpretation. But even if you don't have all the interpretation immediately or even eventually, if you'll speak out the things the Spirit of God's given you, I don't know if you're getting this. We're living in a supernatural world as well as a natural world. You know, I need my body and my mind to tell me if the water's too hot in the shower before I jump in and scald myself. I need my mind to tell me when the light's red, don't pull ahead out into the traffic. But when it comes to what we're talking about, it's spiritual. You're spiritual people. I mean, you're spiritual whether you're spiritual or not, if you get what I'm saying. You are a spirit being whether you're going to mature in your spirituality or not. That's up to you, but I'm showing you at least in part, one way that you begin to walk out what God has for you. I mean, the things that I'm doing today, I prayed that out 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 3 years ago. I've got stuff prayed, and I'm still praying. I'm praying ahead. I'm praying out things that I see myself doing down the road. See, and if you don't ever, you don't pay attention to this and, and pray things out, you are not going to know when it comes. And I don't have to know everything in my head. Your head's pretty limited at best. But I know down here when I'm going to do something, God will speak, and he'll say, yeah, I'll have a green light. I'll have a velvety feeling if you want me to use that term on you. Down here. But sometimes he said, don't do that, don't go there, stop doing this or whatever. It may not be evil, it just may be something that he's not ordaining for me to do. He's not anointing me to do it. And so, you know, I stay away from those things. They're not bad things always, they're just time consumers. This not as effective, but if you'll pray in the Spirit enough, you'll know how to be effective. But you'll have to pray in the Spirit and you'll have to learn to quiet your mind as busy, 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 busy. And as we've been teaching you, learning to attend upon the Lord without distractions. Now, I understand Matt's comment earlier, you know, to Diana. He said, I, it's the one time I can go and I don't be distracted because I'm in a situation where I'm away from my work and away from my daily activity. And I understand that and I appreciate that. I'm not taking issue with him. But I'm telling all of you, you're going to have to all learn eventually how to do that in the midst of your daily life if you're going to be spiritual. The world doesn't stop just because I want to become spiritual. But I make myself pray in tongues a lot and make myself think about the Word of God and make myself read and study because that's who I am. See, the Word is going to show me who I am in Christ. And praying in the Spirit is going to lead me in the way I should go. Oh, I'm helping you if you're listening. Now, let's look at Acts 2.4. He had already told him, wait till you receive this this power, and in Acts 2, 4, he tells us what happens here. And they were all filled. I want you to make a note of that. They were all filled. Not some of them, not most of them, not 99%. There was about 120 people there, according to the first chapter. It says there was about 120 of them there. 
and it says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they, I'm putting that back in there because that is implied, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Spirit gave them the utterance, but they had to speak it out. Now, you know, I have a person, I have, and many of you do a personal prayer language, but a minute ago I was speaking in tongues, really diversity of tongues, and in public assembly, and then I interpreted because I, you know, I, God gave me that many years ago, interpretation of tongues, when I was with Dr. Summerall one service. My wife was with me. We were in South Bend. Dr. Summerall was still alive. He said, all the pastors stand up that are here. And we all stood up. I don't know how many of them there was. And he said, I think every pastor ought to have that gift so he can interpret what's going on in a service. Just take it. And he went like that. And I just said, I receive it. I didn't even get, he didn't ask us to come forward. He didn't lay hands on us that day or anything. I just said, and ever since that day, I've been able to interpret tongues. I mean, if it's a God tongue, you know what I mean. If somebody speaks in tongues, I'll be able to interpret it. Now, I may be in other meetings where there's other people that are interpreting, and I'm not in leadership in another meeting sometimes, so they would normally interpret unless they ask me to. I've been with Dr. Dufresne a few times when Pastor Nancy wasn't with him, and he spoke in tongues and said, uh, Brother Michael, get take the mic. And I would interpret. Hallelujah. But we're talking about your personal prayer language here, and I wanted you to see that when it comes to this, they were all filled. And they weren't filled with the devil, and they weren't filled with demons, and they weren't filled with anything corrupt or weird. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. I don't know why people would want to fight against the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you know, the Holy Spirit, if you will, whatever you want to. But He's holy. You know, and Jesus taught us, you know, don't be afraid you're going to get something different. This is what you're asking for. You're receiving the Holy Ghost, and if you're asking to receive the Holy Ghost, that's what you're going to get. See, the devil uses a lot of fear and ignorance, and people tell people other things about people and uh, that aren't true about speaking in tongues and people who do speak in tongues. I am not a stupid person. Now, I once was very ignorant, and I, you know, didn't like school. I hated school. I wasn't a good student. Then I became a drug addict. I, I burnt my brain out practically back then, where I had a very difficult time with my memory and a very difficult time, you know, comprehending some things. And, you know, but God began to restore me. That's what my point is. And, you know, I studied my Bible for the last 35 years or more. I'm not a stupid person. I'm not an ignorant person. I'm not just emotional. I have emotions, but if you're around me, you know, you know that. And, and, but, see, people have told things like, well, that's a tongue-talking church. You know, and if people really realize the importance of it, they say, hey, great, I'm going. Because I need that. I need Him. I need the Holy Ghost. And if you only knew how vital He is to your future... And that you would pray in tongues enough to ever get over in there with God and speak out the things that he has for you. Oh, my goodness. And it comes little by little. I didn't learn this overnight, but I'm trying to break it down for you to all get a hold of this and realize that you, nobody's left out of this if you want it. God's not going to shove anything your way you don't want. The devil will dominate you. He'll, he'll drag you off into sin that you'll wish to God you had never yielded to. He'll keep you there until he kills you. He'll get you addicted to dope. 
or evil stuff or alcohol or strife or pornography or whatever, and he'll keep you there and until you make a decision, you're going to not yield to him anymore. But God always just, he, he just wants to bless you. This is my point. He's not going to force anything on you. You have to want the Holy Ghost. Somebody say, well, I, I, I'm hungry. I, or they say, I want to move a God. You, you're not going to have it if you're not hungry. And I'm going to say something a little controversial here, but even just praying all the time is not going to bring it. You're going to have to be hungry for the move of God, and you have to be willing to change. When God begins to really move in your life supernaturally, and you quit thinking about you all the time, and your ego, and your pride, and I'm not going to take a lap, and I'm not going to do that. Not Well, then don't. But you're going to be left behind because we're going on. We're going forward. You, you have to be willing to yield to Him. He's not going to force it on us, but as we yield, see, that's what I did that day. And in, in all my background and my denomination taught against that. You, you don't understand, I don't think. You know, you, you, maybe you do. It depends on where you grew up, but I mean... I was in a denomination that made fun of tongues and healing. Now, I know some, some people in that denomination want to argue about it, but I was in a church that was that denomination. I know what they taught. I listened. And they didn't teach that. And whenever it came up, they act like, well, that's for those ignorant people. They're just emotional. You know, they need something, a crutch. That's all done away with. That's all the devil. Well, isn't that funny that Jesus said to wait to these early church people until you have this experience and receive this power. And we just read in Acts 2-4 what happens when you receive that power. You receive the person of the Holy Ghost and you get filled and you speak. You speak. You speak. You speak in other tongues. The problem with our society today, we're all mental people sometimes. Or we're natural people, or carnal, physical people all the time. But we've got to learn to be spiritual people. I'm trying to help you. Now look, look at the same chapter here, and I don't have time to read all this. I mean, it'd take a while, but it, it, what happens is they all spoke in different languages, and, and the other Jews from other places where they were living were there for Pentecost for that celebration. They all were Jews, but they spoke, they spoke other languages because they'd assimilated in other countries. They still spoke their native tongue. And finally, Peter got up. See, tongues weren't to get people saved. Tongues were to be a sign and a wonder to those who heard them, to get their attention. Because they heard them speak in their own native language, uh, where they were living, rather. And Peter finally got up and spoke to them in their, in their Hebrew dialect, or Aramaic, and, and, and began to talk to them. And then they, they got convicted. It says in verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. We'd say conviction came. And they said to Peter and to the rest of them, of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What do we, how will we respond to all this? We know we need something now that you've taught us. How we, then Peter said, verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. How many of them? And didn't Jesus tell us, I'm not going to turn there in Mark 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So were they saved if they believed and got baptized? But notice he says, Peter said, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and... And who's he talking to? Every one of them. Every one of them. And you shall receive, notice this, the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
This is what I'm talking to you about tonight. Receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost is being filled with the Holy Ghost the first time and speaking in other tongues. Because that's what happened to them right there. In Acts 2, 4, and then it jumped ahead, and these others, now they heard about this, and they said, now what do we need to do? They said, well, first you need to repent, change your way of thinking, get baptized, get converted, become a new creature. Now you understand, I'm, I'm saying that from Paul, Paul's writings, inserting it back into here, but that's what's happened. And receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promise. This is the promise. Remember, Jesus mentioned it in the first chapter. Remember, he said, wait till the promise comes. So he says, this promise, the promise of what? Receiving the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues. Receiving the power and being filled, and then the outflow would be speaking in other tongues. This promise, verse 39, is unto you, it's for you and to your children, and to how many? All that are afar off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. He's talking about everybody who gets called into the family. Every one of them can come, be saved, be born again, be a new creature and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and from Acts 2.4, speak in tongues. Are you listening? Let me show you something here. Now remember that. I'm coming back to Acts in a minute, but go over to 1 Corinthians 14. I want to, uh, maybe it's 1 Corinthians uh, 12 actually. 1 Corinthians, Corinthians 12. Some people have said this to me that didn't rightly divine things. They said, well, here in 1 Corinthians 12, for example, Pastor, it says uh, in verse 7, 1 Corinthians 12 and 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all, and one's given by the Spirit, word of wisdom, and I'm going to be teaching on this real soon probably, these gifts, but, and the word of knowledge and by the same Spirit and special faith it should read, and to another gifts of healings and so forth, working of miracles, discerning of spirits, verse 10, and to another diverse kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. So this is talking about something, listen to me, that only some people are going to get because this gift of tongues here and interpretation is for public assembly use. There's a difference. I'm trying to help you here. Now listen to me. Tongues are tongues. They're the same in essence, but they're different in function. If I pray and I'm going on a mission trip, like I went to Siberia three times, well, two of those times, I had to fly. I had to, first of all, somebody picked me up at my house and drove, and I said, Father, I pray divine protection on all the vehicles I travel in. That's the way I prayed. So I got in the car, I went to the airport. I got in a plane, I flew to another airport. I flew to another airport. Then when I got to Moscow, I got off the plane, got in a big bus that seated 60 people. There were several buses. How many were on that trip with me? And we, we took a bus to another airport an hour away. And then we got on another plane. And then we got in smaller cars and vans when we got to Siberia, Abacan, and drove to the hotel. So there's a lot of different kinds of vehicles. They're all the same in the sense that they're, they're transporting me somewhere, but they're not all the same in function. You can't drive a car like a jet plane down a road. You're going to kill yourself. Isn't that right? But now they're all vehicles of travel, all different types of vehicles in the realm of the mode of, of vehicles that take you, transport you from one place to the other place. And the same for tongues. We're looking at our personal prayer life here, and Acts 2 told us now it's for everybody. 
But now here it says to another's given this and to another's given. So that would not be something that every single person would use publicly. I don't know if you, I want to make sure you're clear. Then there's a third thing here in 1 Corinthians 12. I'm coming back to Acts, but look with me closely. Verse 27 and following. Now you are the body of Christ. That's talking about all of us. And members in particular. That's right. Each of us are different. We're part of the body. We have different roles, different things we do. And God has set some. So now he's going to talk about specific, and I want to tell you this, ministries. He set some in the church. Now this is talking about ministries. We, we were talking about a person that receives the baptism in the Holy Ghost and speaks in other tongues, number one. And that's for, thank say it again, all. Say everybody. Then we found out there's a gift called tongues, and with it would come the accompanying gift, maybe with another person called interpretation, and those are for certain people in the local church or congregation that may or may not speak out in a public assembly, and then somebody would interpret what they said. I know Brother Frank. Is he here tonight? He's here. Sometimes he'll be used, and I'll interpret you know, and others might too in different things. But see, that's not everybody's going to be frank. Not everybody's going to be used publicly in tongues, but everybody can pray in their own personal prayer language. And now he's shifting gears again. I want you to see if you're listening to me. This is important. This is another dimension of tongues that I don't think many people know much about. Because he's talking here about the ministry gifts. An apostle is not a gift of the Spirit. He's a ministry gift, or she. Apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. And then he shifts gears. He's talking about evangelists. He said after that, miracles and gifts of healing. In other words, that's equipment, those two gifts, that go with a real evangelist anointing call. You know, as a boy, we had a, our particular denomination. We had, we had revival. We had spring revival. And the guy's coming. And, and really did a good job. I mean, preached a good message and people got saved because that's what they pushed. That was their agenda. And I'm not against that. That was great. We never saw any miracles other than that. We didn't see any healings or miracles like people getting out of wheelchairs or people's legs growing out like we do and different things that we see today. And I'm not really an evangelist, but I operate in some of those power gifts as the Lord wills as a prophet. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is See, he wasn't even an evangelist, really, scripturally, because he didn't have those gifts in his mantle. You'd have to have either miracles and or gifts of healing. Benny Hinn. I know they call him Pastor Benny. He's just not a pastor. It doesn't matter to me what they call him. I like him. He does a great job, but he's not a pastor. Pastors don't have that kind of gifts, typically, where you got 15 wheelchairs lined up. You know what I mean? Okay, he's talking to you here. See, he's not talking about, he's talking about equipment now in different ministry people. And then he talks here about, let's find it, then gifts of healings, helps, there's helps. Now, helps is a valid ministry, but it's in a little different class than the fivefold. You follow me? Somebody's running the camera tonight. Somebody's on the soundboard tonight. Somebody's back in the back watching the children tonight. Got ushers here that are seated at different places around the sanctuary. They're helped in a minute, and they had valet ministry. 
And when we're all done tonight, somebody will close the building up and turn off all the lights and lock the doors. That's all ministry of helps. It's not fivefold, but it's a valid ministry and an honorable ministry, and I appreciate it very much because we couldn't do what we do if we didn't have helps. Then he says here, governments, that would be your pastor primarily. And then he mentions diversities of tongues. Now catch hold of this. Then he says, are all apostles? Well, the answer is no. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. But some would be. In verse 30, have all the gifts of healings? No, but some do and do all speak with tongues. Not in diversities of tongues as a ministry. I'm clarifying it if you're paying attention. But that didn't mean that not everybody couldn't speak in tongues, but not as a ministry that's publicly given. I don't know if you've ever been around uh, Dr. Dufresne, Pastor Nancy. I know they ministered to me in Cedar Rapids uh, last April, I think it was, through tongues and interpretation. He came over where I was and began speaking in tongues. She interpreted. He spoke again in tongues. She interpreted. And then he ministered to me through laying on a hand. That's a diversity of tongues in the ministry of a prophet and whatever offices Pastor Nancy stands. I say she's a pastor and a teacher. Maybe some other gifts are... Uh, our different mantles are on her too right now. But anyway, that primarily is a teacher par excellence and a good shepherd. But you see, he's talking here. I'm trying to help you to see this. Because somebody said to me recently, a guest, well, it says here, do all speak with tongues? Isn't the obvious answer no? And I said, that's correct, it's no. But he's not talking about the average believer here. He's talking about a ministry of tongues publicly that would fall into the, and according to the men I respect, like Brother Hagen, Dr. Dufresne, they said that's normally going to go with the prophet's ministry. Could be some others, but that would be predominant over in their, in their ministry. Hallelujah. You still here? See, now, so tongues are tongues, but there's different functions. When, it, when we talk to you about personally praying in tongues, we found out already you can edify yourself or build yourself up or improve yourself. We found out that we could pray pray out the mysteries of the future for ourselves. That doesn't take the whole body to do it. It just takes you to do that as you're speaking to God in the Spirit. We, we haven't got this far. I mean, I taught at one service recently a little bit about praying things you know you need to pray, but you don't know how to pray as you ought. But you begin to pick it up as a burden by the Spirit and begin to pray it out. We got into some things this morning in here praying, the prayer, prayer meeting time. And I don't know, I, I just discerned in my heart, we'd been praying about eight minutes, man, we hit something, boom, 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 just began to pull, pull, pull us up higher. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Then an angel showed up later. Yeah, spoke to, to me about something. Hallelujah. So we're talking here about three different things. We're talking about the individual being filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. That's for everybody. We're talking about a person who would speak in a public assembly that was anointed to do that. You know, when the anointing comes, everybody could feel something. But that don't mean they're supposed to do something, speak out necessarily, unless you're just totally insensitive totally to anything. You're going to sense when the Holy Ghost is flowing. There's a bite on the service. There's an anointing on things. And and it affects all of us. But, but there will be some people that are specifically anointed to speak out publicly at a given time when that's appropriate and somebody else can interpret because that brings 
that brings edification, comfort, and encouragement. Are you listening to me? See? And, and, you know, it's unfortunate. Some people run off wild about stuff. I remember one church I pastored, a lady kept giving, uh, uh, you know, uh, prophecies, and, and they weren't even God. And I, I called her about it privately to try to chill her out a little bit because she was not, it wasn't edifying, it wasn't comforting, and it wasn't encouraging. And so finally, you know, she kept on, and I had to get up the next service and said, now this tongue that came in the last service, I'm judging it, it was not God. Of course, she got mad and left the church and took some families with her. They later repented to me that they were wrong, and she was wrong, but, you know, it doesn't matter. Whatever they want to do, do whatever. But I'm not going to put up with nonsense that condemns the sheep under the guise of being spiritual when she wasn't even correctable. You got no business doing anything unless you're publicly unless you're correctable and willing to be judged. And we're not trying to be hardcore, but we're here to protect the sheepfold. You know, if somebody stood up and said, you're all going to H-E double hockey sticks, you'd know that's wrong. That'd be pretty obvious. But some people are more subtle, and the devil will say things that condemns the church. And anyway, just know your Bible, you're safe and having a good shepherd. He can keep it straight, or she can, whoever. All right, so we're, we're here in Acts. Now, let, let's go over here to Acts 8 a minute. I'm going to show you uh, something else here. Acts chapter 8. We already read this, but I want to go back over to something in here I think we missed a little bit. You know, persecution came to the early church, and they began to scatter everywhere in Acts 8 and 4. And this is the, this is the second time that the Holy Spirit was poured out for those to be filled in Samaria. Hallelujah. It says in verse 4, Therefore they went scattered abroad, went everywhere, preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them. And many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. There was great joy in that city. Man, that's a pretty good move of God already. But it said there was a certain man, verse 9, called Simon, which before in the same city used sorcery and witchcraft and drug abuse and different things that all has that connotation and uh, you know, new agey stuff and bewitched the people of Samaria giving out that himself was some great one to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest saying this man is the great power of God this is I'm showing you here's deception and to him they had regard because that of a long time verse 11 he had bewitched them how, how many know it's not good to be bewitched uh, bewitched them with sorceries, which is the word for pharmacy in the New Testament. And when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So, so far now, we could, uh, at the end of verse 12, are they saved or not? Yeah. They believed Philip's preaching, and they were baptized. Jesus said, if you believe and are baptized, you shall be saved. So they're born again. But how many noticed that wasn't enough? Because it says in verse 14, Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the Holy Ghost, no, the Word of God. Doesn't the Bible teach us in Peter that we're born again by the incorruptible seed? 1 Peter 1.23. You can check me out later. We're born again not a corruptible seed, but incorruptible by the living and abiding Word of God. 
which liveth and abideth forever. So they were born again. But look at verse 15, or verse 14 here. They had received the word of God. They sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Isn't it interesting? They didn't leave them alone. They said, well, you got it all. No need to send Peter and John down there. Let's just keep them here with us. No. They wanted to get them filled with the Holy Ghost. And they knew, the apostles knew they needed that. I mean, they've had miracles, deliverances, people healed that were cripples, and other manifestations through Philip the Evangelist. You know, he's not called an evangelist here, but later he's referred to as Philip the Evangelist. Had an anointing. All kinds of people getting saved. Even the guy that controlled the whole city got born again. Wouldn't that be something? That crazy guy in Venezuela getting born again, or the guy in Iran getting born again, or how about Gaddafi? You know, people that control, or Raul Castro, brother. Wow. Uh, There's going to be a move of God in Cuba, too, I'm telling you. (laughs) Hallelujah. But it says that they came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. You know, you hear people say, well, I got all the Holy Ghost that I, there is when I got saved. Well, isn't it interesting the early church didn't believe that? Are you listening to me? I mean, you know, if you, if you want him, the Holy Ghost, he's available. He was available then, but they didn't, they, they didn't realize some things. And Philip evidently didn't have an anointing along that line. He was walking in his anointing, but Peter and John had an anointing to lay hands on people and get them filled with the Holy Ghost. And so they sent those two gentlemen down there to do just that. Hallelujah. It says in verse uh, 16, For as yet he, that's the Holy Ghost, was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Notice that. They received him. See, you know, some people say, God, help me. Well, he, he's here. The Holy Ghost here. You just have to receive him. See, once I got a little word on it, Brother John, and realized the Holy Ghost was available through Brother, you know, Dennis Bennett, the Episcopalian priest. I was reading his book, The Holy Ghost in You, The Holy Spirit in You, and I, I realized, well, he's here. He's here in this back bedroom with me, uh, 1017 Baxter Avenue, May 1978, Louisville, Kentucky. I got on my knees and said, God, I want this. I want the Holy Ghost and all that pertains to Him. I need this power. I'm a preacher. I need this. And I want it. And I don't care what it, who it separates me from or who it brings me to. And all of a sudden, I, started, I got filled and I started speaking in other tongues. Just that simple. See, it dawned on me through the Word of God that it's, the Holy Ghost is available. And here I was, two years of seminary student, getting ready to graduate in two weeks, and they never brought him up, the Holy Ghost, hardly ever. And certainly not in the areas that are in the Word that we're talking about tonight. How sad. How sad that they would send out men of God, truly called of God, truly, uh, truly uh, committed to God, to the Lord Jesus, to be ambassadors of His, to go into cities and foreign lands, but not have the power. I don't know if you see the severity of what I'm saying. Jesus, I've already read it. Jesus didn't send out any of His staff, any of His disciples, or anybody else that ever worked for Him, that He didn't give them power already over all devils and sickness and disease. 
You know, they weren't in our dispensation, but he permitted them to have a level of power even in that limited area where they were living and walking because he wasn't going to send them out to do real ministry until they had power on their lives. Man. And we're talking about some power here. This is, this is vital that we understand that. This is not, well, I don't know if I want the Holy Ghost. Well, I mean, you don't have to have him. You don't, God's not going to make you take him, but I don't understand why people wouldn't want him. He's my best friend. He helps me every day I live. He speaks to me. He, Jesus said he will talk to you. Whatever he hears, he'll convey to you to glorify Jesus and so forth and so on. Well, he spoke to me tonight. I, he said, I want you, you know, I mean, didn't, I, I mean, just have an unction down here. I know the Holy Ghost. He doesn't, sometimes he just says, you know, moves in me supernaturally, and I began speaking tongues earlier, and then gave the interpretation. Then I had some words of knowledge. That's all the Holy Ghost. I didn't know that. I didn't know that about a toe until he showed me. I didn't know that about the ribs until he told me. That he knows everything, and he gives in part whatever we need for a given service, a given group of people, or given whatever. See, he's to be our helper. And the more you communicate with him, the more you walk with him and let him, and, and keep him in your heart, keep full of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Mm-mm, And so it says here, verse 17, they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. I'm getting ready to do that in a few minutes, but I've got a couple more things to say. And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money and said, Give me this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. Well, you know he must have saw something and heard something. Why would you, why would you be willing to pay something to somebody to give you something that there wasn't nothing evident. That wouldn't be that wouldn't be logical, even for even for this guy. He said, verse twenty. Peter said, "Your money is going to perish with you because you thought that the gift of God." I love that phrase, "the gift of God." May be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter. And I looked up this word matter years ago, and guess what the Greek word is? Utterance. Utterance. So we see from this that all those that they laid hands on received him and had utterance. The Holy Ghost gave them utterance, and they began to speak out. And that's what Simon, the old sorcerer, saw. He, he saw the results of these two men, Peter and John, these great apostles, laying hands on them, and the Holy Ghost and the power coming on the people and then beginning to yield and speak out in other tongues. Now, I'm saying all that to say this whole chapter, you know, we, we see miracles and deliverance and cripples walk and all the things that Philip already took care of, but there was still more for the believer. They received what he taught, and they believed it, and they were baptized in water. Hey, hallelujah, but there was still more. I want to say something to all of you. There's still a lot more of the Holy Ghost, even if you've been filled like me since 1978. I've spoken tongues every day since 1978. That's 31 years. And there's still more for me. That's why I keep bringing up what Paul said. I speak in tongues more. So I'm learning to step it up even higher and step it up even more. I'm not bragging to you. I'm just saying... There's a lot in the realm of the Spirit we'll never get into if you won't speak. You're going to have to cut some of your flesh out. 
What do I mean by that? Just things that take up your time. You know, if you're young and you've got young children, you're a mommy or a daddy, you've got to work. You've got to raise your kids. You've got to be a parent. Be the parent. But, you know, you're going to have to learn, all of us, no matter what level. You know, you may think, well, Pastor, you're older now. You don't have younger children. I've got 300 of you. Isn't that right? Spiritual children. And, and I've got stuff to do all the time, plus travel, plus other things. And, and you know, I've got to believe for all that. And, I, and the only way I can keep my life straight is by staying current with the Holy Ghost. I've got, got a lot more responsibility now than when I was young and had two babies. A lot more. I'm in a different realm than I was when I was 35. I'm in a different realm than when I was 45. I'm definitely in a different realm than I was when I was 55. And in a couple weeks, I'll be 60. I know I don't look it. The Holy Ghost will keep you refreshed. And I, I, I want to take you somewhere just real quickly here, and then I'm going to stop. Go to, uh, go to uh, Isaiah with me. I want to show you one benefit, and there's, we'll talk some more Sunday about all this. that be all right? Look at Isaiah 28 here. This is just one of many of the benefits of being filled and speaking in other tongues. One of the many benefits of being filled and speaking in other tongues. And this particular passage in Isaiah is quoted later in the New Covenant in, guess where, 1 Corinthians 14. He quotes it, with stammering lips and another tongue will I speak to this people. See, God just spoke to you tonight by demonstration. I just now realize that. I spoke to you in tongues and interpretation. May do it again before I'm through. See? Now, we're, we're talking about speaking in tongues. Now, look here, verse 9, uh, Isaiah 28, 9. Let's start there. Whom shall he teach knowledge? He's not talking about natural knowledge. He's talking about spiritual knowledge. And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Well, you know, you don't have to go to seminary just to understand doctrine. Some of the preschoolers probably know more than you knew when you were 30 in this church. I mean, I've had some of the parents that were honest enough at once said to me, my daughter corrected me the other day and said, Mom, I can't believe you're saying that. That's not the Bible. See, and she's four years old. See, they can understand doctrine a lot clearer than you think they can. If they're taught right, and Brother Sean and the other teachers, they help them understand healing's for us, blessing's for us, God's for us, He loves us. Wow. See? We, we, that's important. So, And then it says, Them that are weaned from the milk, that's pretty young. And drawn from the breast, that's pretty young. He says those, even little kids can understand doctrine and knowledge. Now, I told you this Sunday night, I'm going to repeat it. You need to speak in tongues in front of your children and help them to understand that you're communicating with God in your spirit language and not make them feel odd about it. Uh, where's Suzanne? She told me Sunday night in the foyer, they put me on the, uh, they have monitors back there in those rooms, correct? And you put me on for a little while. She didn't hear me say that, but they, I was teaching on speaking in tongues. So she gave an invitation, and I think you said you prayed for five and three or four got it? Six of them. Six kids in preschool received the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other, is that, is that right? Sunday night. We're out here teaching. She put me on the monitor. And she just went ahead and ministered to them, and they received. 
Man, how hard is that? I mean, I'd rather have her getting them to get the Holy Ghost than some guy down at the Sitco trying to sell them dope in a bad magazine. Yes, sir. And what I'm saying is even if our kids are small and they're just imitating us to start with, and maybe it is just child gibberish, if you stay with what you're doing and they realize you're serious about it and the importance of it and you keep bringing them to a church like this, they'll catch on eventually and they'll start speaking in other tongues. He just told us here, how young could we start with some doctrine as soon as they get off the breast? That's pretty young. I mean, you know, even if people go two or three years on that deal, that's still pretty young. And then he goes on to say, say, notice verse 10, precept must be upon precept and line upon line, here a little, there a little. In other words, the things will come to you more and more as you move into it. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people to whom he said, this is the rest where you may cause the weary to rest. Sometimes people say to me, Pastor, I'm just so tired. Well, go pray in tongues. This is, present tense, the rest. And he goes on to say, this is the refreshing. And it says what? Yet they would not hear. I'm so glad that God broke through my attitude of not understanding all that because I was hungry. I was hungry. It's important what you read. It's important what you, who you listen to. It's important, how, you know, as you get taught correctly in the beginning of your Christian life. I mean, I can, we can help anybody if they'll listen to me. Uh, but what I'm trying to show you, God, I was reading this recently, in Rest and Refreshing, begin with R&R. The Lord said, this is the original R&R. You know, R&R means like rest and relaxation or rest and recreation or whatever, recreation. I don't, but this is the original. Somebody asked Brother Smith Wigglesworth one day, why, why, why don't you take a vacation? You seem like you're out preaching all the time. He said, I do take a vacation. And he said, threw up his hands and said, I'm taking one now. And he starts speaking in other tongues. <laughs> this is the rest. This is the refreshing. Well, Pastor, it's just so hard. No, you're not listening to me. It, this is the rest. This is the refreshing. Like that pastor telling me these other preachers bashing their, their churches and their sheep. I said, my God, get away from those people. And the reason they are so beat down, they're not, they don't take time to edify themselves. I said, even if you don't get around me and some of my guys, you need to get out of that group. You know, if they're not going to edify you, the reason they're not edifying you, they're not edified themselves. They're problem-minded. They're defeat-minded. They're pessimist-minded. They're discouraged-minded. And God never provided that. He's provided rest and refreshing. I said, he said it would be light and easy. And I went on to say, it's not that I don't have challenges in the ministry. Of course I do. I'm a human being and I'm a pastor. And I'm a minister, and I'm a man of God, and I have challenges that come, but I just don't let them get in me. And I use the Word of God and the things He's given me to deal with those challenges. Woo! So, let me ask, uh, stand up with me, please. Praise the Lord. <laughs> man, I get excited. 